broadcasting from Littlehampton, UK. This is the Man Up Podcast. Loading in five, four, three, two, one. Well, it's a big welcome from me, Steve Legg, to the first ever Man Up Sorted Magazine podcast. Very excited, Steve. <laughs> you look it. I think we should have some applause and whooping. Please sit down. No. Oh, get off. I'm only a man. Come yes. on. Stop <laughs> shouting bravo. Just clap. <laughs> Tony, it's lovely to be here with you. We're in sunny Bournemouth recording this first ever. Do you know, I, that's one of the things I like about this podcast is that I feel, you know, obviously I'm a man from the north. I'm from Preston, live in Manchester. You're, you're from down down this way, Little Hampton. Well, evening. I actually come from Bournemouth. Is this my oh, old stomping ground? This is your Right. It brings back lots of memories. So, would you say Steve Legg is a part of Bournemouth, or Bournemouth's a part of Steve Legg? Is he kind of? Oh, well, it's a key time for me growing up. Yeah. I mean, I became a Christian in Bournemouth, Flipping kind out. of indirectly, which we'll talk about some other time. But great place. I think this is one of the one places I could move back to. I love Little Hampton by the seaside. Yeah, and of course Bournemouth is by the seaside. Yeah, with the Royal Exeter Hotel, a lovely three star. A, a, a but real... you you were completely overwhelmed by the place. You know, because you know when you think oh, three star, you think it's going to be basic, but it's I mean it's it's lovely. I I would I would personally if I was uh, given that star system, I'd, I'd give it I'd give it four. I believe it could be a four star, but it hasn't got a swimming pool. It's got everything else. Well, you know, I'm I'm all about grace, Steve. So. <laughs> <laughs> like the I mean, and the, the the couches, it's like an IKEA showroom in here. It's absolutely it? unbelievable, isn't it? And of course, Tommy in the in the breakfast thing, he bends over backwards he for really you, does, he? doesn't he? Um, he's uh, he's a yoga teacher in his spare time. But I, I tell you one of the I went on a little uh, little walk on the, on the beach this morning, and I saw, um, and I thought this was just kind of a, a cliche, but I saw a guy with a metal detector going for it, like, and he was on there, for, and I was watching him for ages, and I thought that was quite an eighties thing. But he's still, still we doing see it in Little Hampton all the time. Really, low tide, out with the metal detector, why headphones. Because you think they're normally gentlemen with beards. Did yes, you know, so no, be- beards. Beard, well, it could have been the sandals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he he. I, I kind of think why why beaches because surely you'd have more kind of success. He went to some like something like I don't know a, a tip. Like that. <laughs> There's loads of metal we around there. Of all the time, <laughs> you'd have tinnitus by the end of the day. Be thinking <laughs> yeah. so much. Oh, it'd be like no. a, it'd be like a, is it a rave or something like that. How many tinnitus? We're rambling already, Tony. Uh, this is carnage. The other thing about Bournemouth, which I thought was interesting, was. Um, there was a uh, there's a load of um, beachfront properties. You know those sheds, different coloured sheds along the front. When you say sheds, you mean beach huts? Well, beach. I mean that's the you thing. You can't call them a shed. I, well, well, no, you can't. I tell you what's the difference between a beach hut and a shed is about fifteen grand. That's what the difference. Fifteen? You're joking. You put here. They're about eighty thousand pounds. Isn't that mental? You put one of those. My granddad one of those on his allotment. He built it himself. <laughs> <laughs> the council gave it to him. <laughs> they're having a laugh, mate. That's yeah. This is why I think what's what one of the things I like about this podcast. It feels like a like a cultural exchange. Really. Well, it certainly is. We're all learning something. You, you are learning they're not sheds. They are beach huts. Would you like a beach hut? I'd well, love a beach hut. I, I would. If, if well, it was silly for you. You live in Preston. How yeah. fast? <laughs> Preston from the seaside. Yeah, we're talking. Um, well, Blackpool's our nearest, but you couldn't really call that a, a beach. That's more of a sort of slurry, uh, a wet <laughs> slurry. <laughs> Apologies to our uh, listener in uh, Blackpool. <laughs> Sorry, Ted. Do you know I've always thought tremendous market for solar panels for beach huts. Oh, yeah. I said I live by the seaside. I always live by the seaside, and um, beach huts fantastic. But there's no power. There's not, is there? There's no power. So you have your little Calagas stove in there. Yeah. No toilets or anything. Yeah. How about solar panels 
for beach huts. That's a great idea. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? it? Well, it is because then that you could you could add another five grand on for that, couldn't you? Because like then if you could, <laughs> the thing is. I think the beach hut is meant to be like a temporary little thing, isn't it? It's, it's a, a temporary place structure, I think, yes. Yeah, I reckon that they'd be getting all kind of um, litigious on that and saying, oh, is that a dwelling then? Because <laughs> when, when, you, when you're set up with your TV and your stove and your... <laughs> of course, you're not allowed to sleep in there. Oh, you're not? Is you're that not against, against the rules? sleep in there. It's against the rules. What a, hey, what, I mean, you're, you're, you're a bit of a maverick. What if you like, just had a little nap? Would you, <laughs> you think the feds might be on you at three o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> I think you're allowed a nap. Leg, yeah. <laughs> Is that in law? Right, anything over 45 minutes and, you, and you, you, you're going to be hauled. <laughs> or is it when you have that? What if you're, it's middle of the night, 3am, mm. but you're not, you're not asleep, but you're, you're staying napping. overnight. You're napping, but you, 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 you keep setting your alarm every 45 minutes so that you don't go over the threshold. <laughs> See, you, there's always a loophole, Steve. <laughs> you're listening to the Man Up Podcast with Steve Legg and Tony Vino. Now, Tony, I'm very aware that uh, there may be people out there who have no idea who we are. Whoa, who, whoa, whoa. I know it's hard <laughs> to believe. Well, we've got foreign listeners. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is to all those people out across in Bangalore. Yes, uh, from Littlehampton to the ends of the earth. <laughs> the Sorted Magazine Man Up Podcast. Well, my name's Steve Legg. I'm the editor of Sorted. I started it seven years ago. Um, do all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, I've been called, well, I call myself comedy magician. If you don't find it funny, uh, you know, it's just magic. Um, <laughs> been doing that for 27 years, and so that's wonderful. I'm kind of into creative communication and launch sorted yeah. seven years ago. Do you find that the, the two worlds, obviously, comedy magician, traveling around, doing the shows, and editor and founder of Sorted Magazine, do you find those two worlds are totally separate? Like, you know, like you kind of do sorted during the day, during the week, and then you're off at the weekend. Or do they kind of cross over? Do you know what? I think there's a lot of crossover. I'll be out on the road, I'll meet people, you chat to people, you find people with amazing stories. I remember yeah. when we started, people, you know, all the scoffers, you know what people are like when you start something <laughs> new and different and unique. People said, oh, you, 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 will, you will run out of ideas. You'll run out of stories. And you think, what a donut. What a do- I, mean- I mean, seven billion people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> it's like saying, um, I don't know, oh, you, you, oh, crikey, you live on earth, you'll run out of air. Like, yes. You know, like the, the ideas, it, we, we tap into an infinite source. The, the, you know, the ideas are, are, are totally generative, you know totally. what I mean? That's, that's the whole thing about poverty mindset, I think. I think people that have a poverty mindset, they think there's a certain size pie and then there's different slices, and if someone else has a slice of that, then there's that not slice is gone. It's gone. But actually, no. The, the, there's something about life that it's we, we're creative people, aren't we? Once you get into the creative world, yeah. there's just more and more and more. It's 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 incredible. It's more like what what don't you what don't you write about? Exactly. What don't what ideas don't you go with? Well, totally. You know, we could be a daily. Well, I mean, have you ever heard of newspapers? Newspapers are daily. I said to this guy, yeah. "Have you ever heard of a newspaper?" <laughs> Yeah. What a wally. <laughs> and the newspapers rarely run out of stuff. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's a quiet news day. But we've seen then... various governments try to bury news, oh, important stuff on the, on on the, the busy quiet one. news days. Isn't it on the busy ones that they bury I it? know you're right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on the quiet ones. I miss ones. the concept altogether. <laughs> yeah. This is why I'm in magazines, not newspapers. This... You're right, Tony. <laughs> uh, one of the things I like, I like about you, you know a lot about a lot of things. Yeah. But tell and... us about what you do. So we, we, we're rambling again. We're meant to be introducing ourselves. Right. Okay, so we've got Steve Lake, myself, uh, Tony Vino. So I, I am, first and foremost, a comedian. I travel around. 
telling jokes and making people laugh, which obviously always elicits the uh, uh, question whenever I tell someone, they go, oh, go on, tell us a joke. <laughs> are you a, you're not really a joke teller, are you? No, I, I, it's more, it's made out like it's a stream of consciousness, but it's, a, it's essentially, it's kind of, a, it's, it's, it's observation, it's gags, it's, 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 but you kind of hide the jokes nowadays. I mean, I love jokes. I do love jokes. One of my favourite comedians around was um, uh, or is uh, Jimmy Cricket and he just does joke after joke after joke and there's some great ones he, he does this bit where he calls his his, his mum on a telephone he goes hey mammy what do you think of euthanasia and she says I don't know but the youth in Ireland I don't like those <laughs> beautiful <laughs> I, I, you know, it's clever it's clever but I think now people kind of want to feel like you're hiding the jokes you know in in a, in a narrative so so that's what I do so I travel around uh, doing comedy shows so you kind of it's a weird one like I spend more time in the car than anything so in a sense I'm like I'm, I'm my, life, my, my job's more like being a courier than a comedian <laughs> really because that's what I do well, if I you could tie the, the two together deliver a few oh, parcels en route do you know what that would be that would be a great idea just basically right I'm going down to, to you know Cheltenham um, and he's a parcel dropping delivered. off a package. How did the gig go? Well, I never got there because I got arrested uh, <laughs> dropping off a package. Hey, we're not talking about illegal packages. <laughs> I'm thinking sunbeds and you know parcels. Oh, okay, all right, I get you. It's just how, it's how would I get a slice into the DHL market? Well, I don't know. I reckon they'd doorstep me. FedEx would have me. Uh, <laughs> they'd have me profiled. You'd be on a blacklist somewhere. Oh, somewhere on Interpol. Um, as and, and of course, comedy is the new rock and roll, isn't it? Or it has been. You, who would have thought years ago, comedians playing Wembley Arena? Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I mean, um, and uh, but back in the day, you had um, remember like the Mary Whitehouse experience, yeah. and, and um, Rob Newman, David oh, Beale. They were they some were of the two. Venues, they were the first two really to ever properly play the huge arenas. They did like an arena tour, and and it was the link with TV. You know, you you like, I think comedy's been like the savior of of, of certain theatres and. And, and art centres and places like that because it's very cheap to put on. Mm. It's one guy in a microphone, yet, you know, people pay 30 quid a ticket and then you times that by 20,000. I would see Michael <laughs> McIntyre at the MEN Arena, 21,000 people in that night, and it's £30 a ticket. And he didn't even have a support act. I mean, I was so really... it's literally a microphone, yeah. a table and a bottle of water. Yeah. yeah, and you just think, wow, yeah. no, You know, as a business model, it, it, it works really well. And comedians that get on TV... And have a regular presence. It, their money really is made uh, through the through the live stuff. I was with a comedian the other day, um, a guy called Gary Delaney. Brilliant guy. He's oh, on I love Gary Delaney. Funny guy. Great, great comedian. And it's yeah, all one liner stuff. The one liner stuff. Yeah. And it was and uh, you know it is it's the his stuff on Mock the Week. He was saying that it's that which which really makes sure that his um, uh, his tour works. You know, so, so it, it's a TV appearance. TV Mock the week. Appearance, never mind the buzzcocks. Yeah. Eight out of ten cats, and then and then the, the tour. tour and it's just a one, smart. two, three, boom. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's that's it. And and it's the, you know, there's plenty, plenty great comedians uh, travelling around. But it's unless you get on TV, that's the thing that that gets you the the personal following that can then fill the theatres. Yeah, it's so a fun life. It's a fun life. I love I love doing comedy. I love travelling around. I love I love the adventure of it. I mean, you you get off at the weekend doing doing gigs. It's like. There's nothing like the unknown. You know, I, I think I, what I like is, is, as a bloke, 
you know, I think there's something in all blokes about wanting adventure, you know, and, and wanting to wrestle. And like, I've got a little boy, and he loves to have a wrestle. And for me, <laughs> going to going to a gig at the weekend is there's something about a wrestle. I don't know what's coming up. Don't know who's there. Don't know how people come react. You ad lib yeah, quite a bit. Boom, you pick on people. It. All very yeah. gentle, but you just there's a level there's of risk. risk that it could all go wrong, and it has gone wrong in, in in times past. You know what I mean? There's times when you've got history where it's gone, wow, that was tough, or or, or I set a foot wrong, or the stuff I didn't know about. You know, sometimes I mean I don't know if you've heard of this, but have you ever heard it when someone in the audience and um, you start bantering with them and you know what's up with you in the goal? And you know, my mum's just died, and you're like, oh, oh great, <laughs> and then that kills it. I picked on a guy recently. I did. Yeah. I opened with this silly trick, and I need to get everyone involved, wiggling their fingers. Yeah. And he was only he was wearing a waistcoat. I noticed him uh, out of the corner of my eye, and uh, he was only, only doing it with one hand. And I said, "Come on, pops, let's get in both our hands." <laughs> oh, Do you know no. what? He only had one arm. Oh my goodness! Now he found that hilarious, and the rest of the audience did. But the, yeah. Oh, that man. could have, that could have gone too. I, there's, okay. a, there's a comedian um, that I know who what he does he gets someone up from the audience and he does this bit where they slip their arms through so they get and stand behind him yeah. and then slip their arms through and you know that game where you get the person stood behind you does your arm yeah. actions you speak and put they do your arm actions and, yeah. Whatever, yeah. and it's all a bit where they'll take chewing gum out of his mouth and put a banana get a banana out of his pocket there was it was a Blackpool uh, magic uh, show you oh he's a magician well he's a comedy magic yeah. comedy magician but um, and you know the 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 big gig when there's thousands of people yeah. there in the I was huge, in the opera house in the opera about house. three and a half thousand yeah thousands of people there and then he got a woman up he stood on stage right and then he pulled her arms through and she just had two stumps no hands it, and the whole audience were like what's he doing and he just he kind of fell apart and the whole thing went really awkward and people afterwards were saying um, man, was she a plant? And he's like, "What kind of <laughs> sick comedian do you think I do that? I somehow do it, you know? Because he'd been going great up to that point that I do that, and then and then I bring someone up, and then make everyone feel awkward, and oh, then end that, the show with that is a, a tumbleweed moment. Wow. Isn't it? The sixty-second life coach with Peter Horn. At the time of recording this podcast, we are coming into the business end of the football season and it's the decisive final phase when you sort the wheat from the chaff. Now, as a former resident of the town of Reading, I watched the progress of their football team with avid interest. I remember the excitement when they got promoted to the Premier League in spectacular fashion and then the agonising disappointment when they were relegated back to the Championship very shortly afterwards. In the season when Reading got relegated again, I remember noticing something that Steve Koppel, the manager at the time, had said. I remember him saying, if I knew what we were doing wrong, I'd have done something about it. Now, there was a kind of air of defeat in those words, as if he'd resigned himself to his team's fate. When it comes to achieving things in life, it's the unconscious mind that wins the day. Research has shown that it does vast amounts of work for us behind the scenes. All it needs is permission from the conscious mind to go in search of solutions. And without permission to at least consider an outcome as possible, it won't do anything. It won't be able to help you pursue your dreams. So if you're looking for success in an area of your life, a good habit to adopt is to give yourself permission to ask questions. Questions about how something could be possible. Often the secret is in finding one small step that you can take now. And when you do this, other possibilities can appear that would otherwise not have been apparent unless you'd taken the first step. 
I love the story of Walt Disney, whose work is known and appreciated by children the world over. Disney World in Florida opened in 1971. Sadly, Walt Disney died before the project came to fruition. And when his brother Roy was interviewed about this, the reporter commented on how unfortunate it was that Walt did not live to see it built. Roy gave an insightful reply and he said, Walt saw it first. That's why you're seeing it now. Jobs for the boys. Wow, would you believe it? Jobs for the boys. We've hit the big time. We are with... A living legend. <laughs> You're a living legend. You are a living legend. <laughs> well, he's, thank you, Stevie. Are you off to see the Queen soon? Uh, apparently, I am. Well, everyone else seems to know about it, but I don't. So uh, well, I'm, I will I'm waiting tell for the letter. You when and where that is. Thank you very much. Who are we talking to? Come on, tell us. I'm Limboy Primus. Limboy Primus, the legend. The legend, as you say, but I am Limboy Primus. <laughs> so, former Premiership footballer? Yes, that's correct. Was yeah. that a dream job? It, it was to a degree. Um, you know, as a kid, you, you want to play at the, the best. You, first of all, you just want to be a pro. Uh, that comes along, and then you, you want to play at the highest level. And, and I got to achieve that late in my career. So, uh, yeah, highlight, definite highlight for me. So, a particular highlight of that highlight would be? Uh, um, probably... Beating Man United at Pompey because um, you know they're they're one of the greatest teams in the world, and uh, whenever big teams turn up, you, you know you want to do well. And we never beat the others, so Man United, <laughs> Man United was the one to beat. And what was the score? Uh, well, I think we beat them one nil and two one. Uh, they did beat us a couple of times, but they, they're erased from my memory. You don't yeah. remember those We've ones? Had the healing of the memories. Amen, supposedly. brother. <laughs> now I remember one Christmas. I think it was Boxing Day. Watching, yeah. watching Sky Sports. Yeah. You didn't get one. You I know. I know. That's a miracle. You, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, anything's a brace. <laughs> Even if I hit the post, that'd be a brace. Um, but you know, it was it was to get one in was something. But two, and I used to uh, go and watch West Ham as a kid. So a lot of my friends are West Ham fans. Did they abuse me afterwards or what? Oh, um, but but I enjoyed it because we won the game as well. So uh, yeah, really good, really special. So someone who's been very successful financially mm. is money everything. Everything. No, um, you know, I, I had. Growing up and playing um, in the lower leagues, it, it was always a struggle. You know, there were times when my parents were buying our shopping for us. So, you know, there's a reality to it that there's a small percent of footballers who are paid very, very well, uh, but the majority aren't and uh, will have to work afterwards. So it came to me late. Um, I wasn't flamboyant with what I had. I, you know, I could buy nice things. But uh, to be honest with you, those nice things uh, didn't make me a better person. I was just able to enjoy those things. So it doesn't make you better. I was still doing the thing I enjoyed. Um, but, you know, it, it just allowed me to a little bit of freedom when I wanted to buy things or go on a nice holiday. And you are a man of faith. Your faith is important to you. Definitely. Tell us a bit about that. Well, I became a Christian in 2001. Uh, before that, I was trying to fill my life with uh, material things for happiness and peace. Uh, my wife uh, uh, was ill during um, the, just before we became Christians, and it just made me question what life was about, as, as well as other things. And you know, as men, we don't discuss these things in public. Uh, but I went to a church and I heard a guy speak, and I thought to myself, "That guy sounds like me," you know. But h- how does he know these things? And then he said he had a relationship with Jesus, and I said, "Ah, rubbish," you know. <laughs> but I started, words yeah, so you know, yeah, <laughs> colourful words. Um, but then it just started me uh, on an investigation to find out who this Jesus was and had a teammate who was a Christian, started asking him questions. And in the end, it sounded like I was missing the big picture. And 
And after six weeks of that first visit to church, um, I became a Christian and started to, to follow Jesus. And you never looked back? Never looked back. And has it been easy? No. Has it been uh, uh, um, all highs? No. But it, the reality of it is that as challenges have come into my life, I've, I've had and found different ways to cope with that. And that's reading the Bible, my family, friends of church, and, um, you know, just a, a different reality to life. Livermore, fantastic. We've loved featuring you in Sorted. You enjoyed the yeah, magazine? Yeah, mate. It's, it, you know what? I, it's, it's not a bad thing to say this, but it's got better and better. Thank you. You know, sure. and, uh, you know, what you're doing and the guys you've got with you are doing an amazing job. And anybody listening to this and who hasn't had Sorted or looked at Sorted, please just look at it once and I guarantee you'll have it in your house or you'll have it wherever you go every time. Mate, you're a star. As you know, the podcast very popular. People write in. Yep. Uh, we've had a few people ask for your Harry Redknapp impression <laughs> to finish jobs for the boys. Go on. Limboy, Limboy, don't pass it to him. He don't know what day the week it is. <laughs> you're listening to the Man Up Podcast with Steve Legg and Tony Vino. So, Tony, I was invited to this fellow's house. Yeah. Um, nice guy, Robert. Uh, I was told this business guru. Oh, if you like, we don't like that word, do we? The Christian word, guy. Guru just, it, it's so, you know, right from that moment, I'm not listening to anything this person's saying. Is it, it's I like, think guru, I think a turban. And Do you think turbans? I think it's no, a wise I, I, Indian no, I, man. I think it's that whole kind of... Um, it was, you know, that term was kind of colonised in with the kind of like nineties self help kind of uh, guru. walking on hot coals, all that kind of stuff. And it's, I just think, once someone terms themselves a guru, it's like someone that calls himself, "I'm so mad, me." You're like, <laughs> you're, you're so far from being mad. Yes. You're, you know, you, you, I'm not actually saying. So yeah, guru, forget it. I think expert. Just let's just go back to expert, Tony. It's a good point, well made. I was invited to have lunch with this expert. And <laughs> I, I drove You'd up to his house. You'd be a social house. guru. Yes. <laughs> I drove up to his house and we had a, a, his wife made a lovely Sunday lunch, crispy roast potatoes, all the trimmings. Oh, nice. Um, so after lunch, he invites me into his lounge and he says, right, I'm going off for sleep. <laughs> Were you offended in any way that he'd invited you around? I, I just thought I'm just it was go for really a odd that this guy went to bed and he said, you stay here. And he, he had a full-size snooker table in his front room. He did. You know, I've got to say, a lovely fella. Oh, yeah. uh, I just thought it was odd. Yeah, did, so, he, did he offer for you to come up and have a little cuddle? <laughs> <laughs> do, you to... do you know what? I do love a nap in the afternoon. I, I mean, I, I've, I've really got... Since having kids, I never napped. I'm now in mid-30s, and now I, I love a nap. It's mid-30s. Now, you see, people look at you and me, and they think we're brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a good 10 years on you. So mid-30s you started now. Mid-30s. Well, it's still about 33. So my little boy's five now, and then I kind of would, trying to put him to sleep, to bed, I'd, I'd find, I'd have a nap. Now, though, my kids wake up quite a few times tonight, so really, because people, people say, oh, the best thing to do to, to, you know, to make sure you're not tired is you know, have a nap. But basically, I have loads of naps, but all the way through the night. <laughs> I never actually have a proper sleep now, because there's always someone waking up screaming in my house. You see, I've heard the fact that half an hour in the afternoon is worth two hours in the evening. Now, I've heard but that. But you go into a deep sleep cycle longer than a half hour. It messes you up, and you get really groggy. But how do you have just half an hour? Yeah. You think someone would have invented something. Because if... If you know, if, if I lay, lay, if I lay down at two o'clock, I know I'm not going to fall straight asleep. Mm-hmm. So you can't set your alarm for two thirty, but you don't get twenty minutes. I guess twenty minutes is better than nothing. Yeah, because I, I heard it was fifteen minutes. Like I okay. think, you, know, if it, you, it, you can either have eight hours of sleep, 
is equivalent to a, a um, six hours of sleep plus a fifteen minute nap. But there's a lot of that's probably someone in a pub telling me that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's as reliable as uh, as just a, a Google search. So this guy Robert has a little nap. I'm playing snooker, full size snooker table, doing quite well. <laughs> had a break of nine. Yeah, our biggest break I've ever had nine. Isn't that pathetic? <laughs> and he wasn't there to witness it. He's snoring upstairs. No. So anyway, he comes down and uh, his opening gambit is: I've been speaking to a friend of yours. Oh, it's a bit sinister, that. Yes. Isn't? Who said you were a maverick? Your problem is you're a maverick. And I said, you're... well, which friend? Yeah. Anyone tell me? So I'm figuring out, who does Who's... he know that I know? Yeah. But he used this word maverick. This is the interesting thing. He used this maverick term as something derogatory. Now, when you right. hear the word maverick, I think he's I, not I, the one in no. the 18. That's Murdoch. That's right? Murdoch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can see you thinking back to a bygone era. Who's maverick? But, well, because, um, no, maverick is actually, it, it's a term... In, of, um, it's not a term of derision anymore. The, you know, if, maybe if, if you're kind of talking from a company perspective, well, hey, I'm not sure you could um, employ this guy as too much of a maverick. But just in general life, someone's a maverick, they're a bit adventurous, they're a bit fun. You think, you think of, like, you know, 80s cop shows, this, uh, you know, the detective who's a bit of a maverick, the DC's always on his back. You think, <laughs> that's the guy I want to be. I don't want to be yeah. the guy, you know, who's, who's saying he's a maverick. I want to be the maverick, you know, Shaft and the like. And I just think, I thought, you, I said, Robert, you couldn't give me a bigger compliment if you tried. You know, I want to be different. You know, I want to be, you know, if you think someone's going to be like this, yeah. I want to be the opposite. Yeah. There's something inside me, if I'm told in a church meeting to sit down, I want to stand up. If they say stand up, I want to sit down. Totally. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is about me. Is this a man thing? Is this just a me thing? Well, no, I mean, very much, if you look at the, the, the arc of your life as well, you, you've been... Uh, self-employed you've been an entrepreneur you you've been you know you do stuff and that it takes mavericks it takes people that don't just take orders from other people and from you know and kind of dictate their life according to what other they think other people want them to do a maverick is no terms for someone who's um self-actualizing you've got it in life you've got to make decisions and go for what you want and and uh, if that makes you a maverick, then that's a great thing. And of course, you know, Jesus, the ultimate maverick, surely. Absolutely. You know, the man who told religious people they were wrong. Yeah. Who spent time with hookers, uh, hookers and prostitutes. As, yeah, tax as collectors. Uh, people, you know, basically all the, the conventions and the rules uh, that were entrenched but unquestioned, he'd, he'd turned them over, just like the tables in the temple. He just turned them over and caused a huge ruckus. <laughs> That's a good word. It's ruckus. ruckus. <laughs> to to encapsulate the the, 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 the subversive life of our saviour. Or a bit of a bit of a ruckus, yeah. <laughs> We'd had a bit of a hoo ha. That should be in the message bible, shouldn't it? Ruckus. That's shouldn't a good it? word. Shouldn't it? And of course he treated women as equals. Yeah. You know, the massive faux pas back then was women were not treated as equals. Yeah. Society treated them very much as uh, second rate, second class. And he treated women as equals, isn't that amazing? Yeah. A, real, a real maverick in every shape and form. There's a brilliant quote by a guy, by George Bernard Shaw, old Georgie B, <laughs> as we like to know him. He goes, uh, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. You could just replace Unreasonable Man with uh, Maverick there, couldn't you? You could. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Man Up. Of Man Up. Visit us online at sorted-magazine.com.